Before we begin, please refer to the disclaimer and link in the podcast notes, and note that all opinions expressed in this podcast are intended for informational purposes only and should not be treated as investment or financial advice. Bitcoin just hit 30,000 US dollars, and the US Treasury released a report on decentralized finance. What a week. Welcome to our new and revamped Collective Shift Weekly Recap. Actionable insights and a breakdown into the crypto market all in under 30 minutes. We have a lot to get through this week. Let's start with the market news of Bitcoin hitting 30,000 for the first time in 10 months. Welcome, welcome, my friends. Uh, This is Leon here. So Bitcoin has recently just hit $30,000. Now, it's been a long time coming. You know, we've got a a couple of questions about this. The first thing is, you know, will it last? I generally think it will last. We think, I think we're currently in a small bull market in a little tiny uh, bull market in the big bear market. That, that's to say. But the big question I really want to ask is that how does this actually impact you? Right. So how does this impact you? For me, for me personally, I think that Bitcoin is going to be a million dollars in 10, 20 years. So for me, this price action doesn't mean much, but I want to pass it along to Matt and Nick. What do you guys, how, how does this impact you? What Bitcoin breaking 30K right now? As we can see on the computer there, we got Bitcoin $30,154 on the Coinbase pair. Yeah, it's a great question, especially because things are differentiated between yeah, your short term and your long term thinking. I'm sort of similar that in the short term, I think people should really understand that perhaps if everybody's getting too over euphoric or everyone's on the same position of things, that can also be a sign that potentially, you know, the market might do the opposite of what we're all thinking to do. But I'm with you, Leon. I'm really looking at those long-term sort of fundamentals. And there's a lot of good metrics out there that show uh, amount of total active addresses, uh, a lot of people interacting with Bitcoin, new Bitcoins that are being secured, uh, hash rate still high. So a lot of these long-term metrics I'm really positive about. But at the same time, I am, you know, cautious about you know, potentially uh, things easing off in the short term. Yeah, so we've definitely seen a couple of reasons why Bitcoin might be moving up in this way. Uh, For me as well, I kind of just, in recent memory, I'm jogged by the recent banking crisis. We've seen Silvergate and SVB still going through a bit of trouble. And the sentiment currently is still negative out there, not just in the crypto sphere, but in the whole banking sphere. Okay, uh, People around the world are waking up to the idea that their money isn't that safe or that it's as safe as they thought it was anyway. Um, but guess what? Bitcoin continues to work. Okay, It has gone unimpeded this whole time and people feel like it's uh it's kind of a safe asset it's a safer asset anyway or at least it's a hard asset which is what we like to say over here at collective shift now um uh what do you guys uh we covered the recent banking crisis do you guys think the sentiment is still negative out there i i generally think so yeah i think we've seen those hard assets as you say leon are really like done well in response to this these announcements but i think yeah, with the backstopping of, of the Fed basically saying everything's all right, everyone. Yep. You know, all you your money's money. safe. We <laughs> saw all that come in last week. And that really has sort of allayed the fears around an ongoing banking crisis. Here in April, look, we don't really know for sure, but definitely the, the public has sort of helped gain awareness and gain more of an understanding about the value of Bitcoin and gold. And my final comment on sort of the performance of Bitcoin the main thing I think everyone should know is just the performance of Bitcoin dominance. Really simple metric. It's just, hey, what's the percentage of Bitcoin? Like, what is Bitcoin's market cap as a percentage of all the world's cryptocurrencies, their combined market cap? That has shot up astronomically in terms of 
five or six percentage points in uh it throughout the past basically since the day of the silicon valley uh silicon valley bank collapsed um to move that much to move eight percent is pretty big but to move six percent within three or four weeks really gives you an indication of what's leading this crypto market rally and easily it's like as clear as day that everyone is sort of flocking to bitcoin both externally and people selling existing cryptocurrencies for Bitcoin. Yeah, speaking of percentage rises, I'm looking at the charts right now. We have a 24-hour 6.3% uh, increase. That's incredible. Like we, we haven't seen this uh, volatility in Bitcoin in a long time. People have been mm. poking the stick at Bitcoin to say, hey, wake up, do something. <laughs> um, but th that leads me to my next question, gentlemen. Do we think this uh, is sustainable? For myself, I do think it is sustainable at the moment. I think we have had a period of um, just... Uh, pure negativity for a whole lot of time. Anyone who wanted to sell Bitcoin has most likely sold what they wanted to. And everyone that's left is the people who are very, very interested, who are staying for the technology. Um, and I think, yes, it is slightly sustainable. What, what do you guys think? Do you think sustainable? Yes or no, Matt? I think short-term, unsustainable. Ah. Medium, medium to long-term, still very encouraging signs. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you, man. And Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm probably offensive to myself, mainly because uh, I try not to predict too much about what's going to happen in the immediate short term. Yep. And I'm just, my eyes are just all over what's going on in like core development, which yep. I'm very positive about and was very positive to end the last year. So keen to see more of the same. And that's a very good point. Regardless of the price, short term, long term, there is still a, a great technology being developed on Bitcoin blockchain, mm. um, as well as the Ethereum blockchain as well. Um, so yeah, we'll keep you updated over here at Collective Shift, but I think we should move on to our next topic now. Yeah, it's a good segue into the big US Treasury report that came out in regards to DeFi. Uh, this was coming for a while now, and it was the first uh, report that looked into a risk assessment into decentralized finance or DeFi. So this has major impacts if you're holding DeFi coins or you're in DeFi yourself because the treasury is having a hard look at DeFi and its implications into the financial system, especially in regards to illegal you know, money activity. So this was, I think, a, quite a lengthy report. Uh, I actually haven't delved into the hunt to the thing 100% myself yet, but was having a look at some really good high-level takes about what was included in it and what was not. So kind of the high level we can think about here is there was a lot of mentions in regards to illegal uh, activity and people using, you know, these DeFi applications. Uh, but they also acknowledged that DeFi services were not widely used for this activity and the traditional finance system was used more so, you know, than DeFi. It also brought up really interesting issues because the report talked about uh, DeFi and compared it to this traditional financial system, and it sort of didn't draw any hard lines between them. So it kind of raises the issue of uh, anti-money laundering uh, laws that are in place, KYC, and a lot of these other more sophisticated terms that are normally reserved for traditional finance, and they're looking at applying them to DeFi. It's a really big report, and the high level here is that no real fundamental changes happens, but it does show that, you know, there could be some changes on the way. And at this stage, we just don't know, but it's an underlying risk factor, I think, for DeFi applications, uh, which we saw actually earlier this, this week, uh, DYDX come and withdraw from the Canadian uh, market because of these regulatory risks.
So we're really seeing the effects of, you know, the report and a lot of un- uncertainty around how DeFi fits in. What laws do they have to obey? And DYDX, one of the largest DeFi, DeFi applications, you know, has already started withdrawing from some countries. And I think the reason why DYDX started withdrawing from Canada is they said that it's just a, a not optimal regulatory environment. And this is the same thing that's happening in US at the moment as well. So if you hold DeFi tokens, then you might possibly uh, be affected in the coming you know, months, years, because the department, uh, a treasury department in US is now looking at DeFi. Okay. But what I do like, uh, Matt, was that at the end of the entire, in the entire report, as uh, Nick pointed out before, they said, we know, we know that normal cash in the US dollar is used way more than crypto or Bitcoin for illicit activities. And for me, when I saw that, I was like, ah, oh. they were, they're at least recognizing it, right? They're recognizing it. Yeah. It was pretty, uh, you know, surprising or, you know, to see them, you know, really sneak that in, in the report, uh, acknowledging that, yes, there's problems with with money laundering outside of the the crypto space so in that sense it was sort of you know somewhat fair at least that section of the risk assessment and you know i think we've sort of flagged this coming for several months now it was due in february came in early april typical sort of bureaucratic process but uh, we also got the uh nft report Uh, a similar sort of risk assessment is going to be done on nfts Watch that to come out, you know, around the middle of the year. I think it was July, Nick. So that means probably September. (laughs) But uh, yeah, another sort of risk assessment. And, you know, to think even DeFi two years ago, the term barely existed. Now you've got the actual US Treasury reporting on it. So yes, extremely important to know about. No real action items from it, but, you know, it's just the scrutiny and the sort of, you know, assessments of crypto and its categories are sort of continue to increase, which is, extremely important for long-term crypto investors in particular. So I'll move on here to like the latest, you know, in the past week, another sort of major development was another week, another new, another week of sort of events related to Binance, probably the world's largest crypto company and definitely the largest crypto exchange. Uh, we, we saw recently, you know, in late March, um, it kind of made, made sort of global headlines when Binance or three of its entities were sued by the commodities sort of agency in the US. Uh, They were sort of alleging that they violated a bunch of different laws related to anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism. We'll see what Binance responds with, uh, with a full response coming out soon. But it was another week and sort of some more negative press. This time we had sort of news coming out reportedly Binance US. So yeah, the Binance exchange that is only serving US customers, they are reportedly struggling to find banking partners. Uh, this is something that, you know, we've been covering a lot at Collective Shift the past 12 months, sort of, you know, this sort of banking issues with crypto companies. It doesn't really have a direct impact on us as everyday investors, but overall it's extremely important in my opinion anyway, to have US banks in particular be very, uh, their relationships with crypto as an industry. Um, that's something that's always worth monitoring. So when you see Binance US struggling to find banking partners, it's just another signal that, hey, things might not be going so well, either A, for the crypto industry and or B, Binance itself. So we also saw last week, speaking of sort of Binance related, you know, press or news, it was also came in that uh, it's Australian derivatives sort of license was cancelled. Um, 
but yeah, that, that did come in after a request from Binance for it to be cancelled. It's worth sort of pointing out that got lost in sort of, you know, under the headlines. Yes, big scary headline that it was cancelled, but at least the reports on the news was that Binance itself asked for that uh, to happen. Only about 100 users were using Binance's derivatives in Australia um, because apparently they've had it frozen for, you know, a couple of months now. And they're sort of, you know, paying back all of those users and closing their positions and whatnot. It's just sort of another sort of data point to take into consideration um, in terms of, you know, how Binance evolves throughout 2023. Again, why does it matter? It wouldn't matter if it was any other exchange, but I think it's important to keep track of what's happening with Binance just because it has the potential to sort of have an effect on markets if there is sort of this seismic news particularly out of the US if they're sort of coming after Binance, for example, if that continues in April and May and throughout this year, that may have sort of a drag on crypto prices as we sort of, you know, move into what is looking like the start of a of a long term sort of bull run. Yeah, and to bring it back for everyone else, all the collective shift members out there, if you're watching this video, this just means that it might impact you if Binance starts getting targeted by the US government or by any other regulatory entities. That means that they might be able to stop trading, which means you might not even be able to withdraw your coins, right? This is also far like just extra things that could happen. It's just we're trying to say that you should keep an eye on this, okay? And we try to advocate for security and safety here at Collective Shift. Uh, don't keep any of your coins on the exchange. If you are worried, if you think regulation is going to be bad in the coming weeks or months, get your coins off the exchange, put it on the ledger, on a cold wallet. That's what I think we should do, yeah. Yeah, well said, well said, Leon. Always worth always worth pointing out. Um, and I suppose, yeah, I suppose with that sort of US, yes, we talk a lot about US regulations and their attitudes and their scrutiny of crypto, uh, but probably a main sort of you know narrative and just trend you've been seeing over... March and even in, into early April that I think is worth covering this week is just sort of, you know, other countries and, and jurisdictions. I think we do have examples now where other countries are sort of, you know, taking the opportunity to sort of be a bit more accommodating towards crypto. Um, so it's not all doom and gloom out there. We've got another, we've got a number of countries such as those in sort of the United Arab Emirates. Uh, Singapore has always been pretty crypto accommodating, but you know, they're continuing to evolve. Japan has always been pretty like behind in terms of their crypto friendliness, but they are sort of continue to warm to it. UK is another one. And of course, probably Hong Kong would be the most notable out of the last few weeks where they are, you know, really starting to, you know, up their involvement uh, in crypto and welcoming sort of businesses and starting to, you know, reportedly starting to open bank accounts with a number of crypto companies that previously really struggled to develop banking relationships. So we just thought, yes, at Collective Shift, we try to keep balanced and we do probably cover a lot of US-centric stuff, but only because we believe that's what is most important to you out there. Uh, but also worth remembering from time to time, things are progressing pretty well in non-US areas of the world. Yeah, just to add in there, Matt, uh, you spoke about Singapore and Japan. Yeah, they both had two interesting announcements this week. Uh, Singapore's lo looking at releasing an industry report uh, in, to exactly work out any more specific guidance for these crypto businesses. That was reported by Bloomberg. And then Blockworks reported that uh, some uh, members of the Japanese government released a 
Web3 sort of report geared at how to handle cryptocurrency and these emerging industries. So we got some two positive announcements there. And as you said, Matt, uh, the key takeaway is, although we're, we can be easy to be doom and gloom about these uh, harsh regulations in the US and harsh attitudes, but ultimately, if crypto is to be uh, an actual foundational technology and something that has staying power, ultimately, these other jurisdictions are going to want to capture that. So hopefully in the next couple of years, that may be to the detriment of the US, but hopefully we can see a lot of these crypto companies start to thrive elsewhere. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it certainly looks like how it's playing out, but um, yeah, a lot of water to go under the bridge. I think in terms of just the next, the next week ahead, um, when we talk about you know, major events happening in crypto, uh, probably the one that you know, we did want to highlight this week was you know, the enabling of ETH withdrawals. That's the next sort of, it's part of a next major upgrade for Ethereum. Um, but what's it mean when ETH withdrawals are enabled? Just means that people who were staking ETH you know, since they're all the way back to December 2021 and onwards, uh, they're now able to you know, withdraw that stake and even the rewards they've been earning on that on that stake throughout you know the past you know months or even years uh, that will be sort of happening scheduled for you know late on April 12 uh, UTC time so about about uh, Thursday or so Australian time and you know we're, we've seen a lot of conversation about the price implications on ETH so you know later in the week and towards the weekend you'll probably see that play out in real time. Um, and personally, I'm looking forward to having this chapter close and all this speculation because at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty, I think when we look back on 2023, it's, it's, it's not really going to be that much of a talking point, but yeah, I'm not sure about what you thought, Nick, about this week ahead for Ethereum in particular. Yeah. So as you said, it's basically closing the chapter to the merge. It was the final thing that needed to happen to complete the merge upgrade officially and get it, get it all done and dusted. So I mean, I'm the same as you. I'm keen to see how it plays out. Uh, interesting to see if there's going to be lots of sell pressure. We have a lot of good resources and information, previous YouTube videos, which we can link uh, in the bio for this, and exactly why I personally think that that isn't going to be the case and why it's net positive overall, you know, that encourages more ETH to be staked in the long term. So I'm kind of interested to see whether my hypothesis will play out in that one to two year period. Uh, and then again, whether that, sh that short-term sell pressure would be negligible if you look at the long-term projection of this sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, looking forward and hopefully it all goes, all goes through smoothly uh, this week. And then we'll probably wrap things up, gents, with uh, sort of a new segment that we're introducing. Sort of one thing from the past week that you think either was you know overrated by the market or conversely something that you really didn't think you know many people even appreciated or you know the the sort of context or nuance got lost in the headlines this is something that you know we're really looking to include just as a way to wrap things up and to try to deliver some more value uh, out there to you to you viewers and listeners uh nick i'll uh, hand over to you to kick things off Awesome. Thanks for that. Uh, one thing I thought was potentially uh, maybe misinterpreted or over overlooked and a lot of focus is on AI at the moment. Uh, so there was another big I think, cryptocurrency raise that happened, about $10 million for something called CryptoGPT. Uh, for those unaware, you know, you have this big uh, narrative at the moment with AI, a lot of focus is on AI. So we're just going to see so much of this, of cryptocurrency projects start to launch geared towards AI. And this is just another one that I think is 
important to urge caution on, especially when you're seeing a lot of buzzwords, maybe you're not sure exactly why you need a token or why cryptocurrency is involved. If there's the team doesn't look right, a lot of these questions that are coming, sorry, a lot of red flags with a few projects that were out there raising big money. Uh, so maybe too much focus on that crypto narrative at the moment. And a lot of people may be trying to make a quick dollar out of it. Yeah, Gnostic, um, always something to, to really pay attention and read through, read through the documentation of these projects and understand why does this need to exist? Uh, if at all, question the team. We got a lot of resources at Collective Shift that sort of break down, you know, things you should look out for and red flags, uh, over, over on our resources section. Uh, my one for this week, uh, would be, uh, probably actually the airdrop, uh, that OpenSea Pro, uh, sort of shared or distributed. Um, uh, so they were formerly known as Gem. Um, and this is sort of an NFT. So basically just a place to a website to log onto or an app to log onto and, you know, buy and sell NFTs to really dumb it down. Uh, they sort of, uh, announced an airdrop. So for anyone who in the history of, well, what was formerly known as Gem.xyz, if you ever you know, use that platform to buy and sell NFTs, uh, no matter how much, you know, you, no matter how much like ETH or capital you used, uh, you were entitled to one, one airdrop sort of per wallet or per address that you interacted with. So, um, I was actually surprised to, to see four on my <laughs> four wallets of myself. Uh, so we're eligible for that. And at the moment they're trading for 0.05 ETH. Uh, so. Wow. Got to claim it when gas is sort of pretty cheap. Uh, gas is sort of pretty cheap at the moment because I think there's a big NFT conference this week. So all the DGENs will be, you know, away from their keyboards. Um, but you know, it's some sort of reward. I think Nick and I actually discussed in a recent YouTube video why we don't think OpenSea will ever tokenize. Uh, I think this is sort of their way of having this sort of half measure of trying to, you know, appease their sort of users many of which have sort of deserted them and so sort of try to bring them back to their platform um personally i think they're really going to struggle for that to work in the medium to long term however it's a nice sort of thing i think that uh, many people didn't even actually hear about in the last uh, week and it kind of goes to show it's sort of a reflection of just how much OpenSea is struggling to gain awareness when the announcement of their token or an nft airdrop sort of wasn't even heard by many people out there so go and check uh OpenSea pro be aware of scam links and all of that uh we'll drop in the the necessary link below to just go and see whether you're eligible for that airdrop and um uh, yeah with ETH, eth sort of ripping in price higher uh it can turn out to be you know a, a decent uh decent amount you know, for some of you out there. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. I didn't actually know that they had released the token so far, which is exactly your point. No one has, hasn't made the news, which is crazy. Um, and it's also interesting to see if they do claw back market share from Blur Marketplace. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And also, what about the regulatory risk of Coinbase and Coinbase Pro? You know, there's a bit of issues there that could be. But I'll share mine. Mine is actually very, very simple. Um, uh, hopefully <laughs> you guys don't laugh about it, but it's very simply, um, I needed a pickup in the bear, in the bear market currently at the moment. And, uh, Michael Saylor, he tweeted again, and I guess you guys can probably, uh, guess what he tweeted about. Uh, micro, micro strategy has recently bought more Bitcoin and added it to their balance sheet. 
And for me, every time I see that in the middle of the bear market, when you're wondering if you should uh, change your DCA strategy or, you know, um, uh, stop DCAing or like, you know, just, just sell some, you're like, no, no, you listen to MicroStrategy, you listen to Michael Saylor, and he, it just makes me feel really reassured. So it's not quite alpha. It's not quite anything that was uh, missed by the market because he does make a regular tweet about it. But here, here we go. MicroStrategy acquired additional 1,045 Bitcoin for 30 million. Uh, and the average, and they hold 140,000 Bitcoin, Jesus Christ, for $4 billion average price of nearly 29 and 8 uh, K. My God. Hey, so they're, they're in profit. They're in profit. Yeah, yeah they're in profit. They're, I think they just broke even like the last time and they're in profit now or something. Um, so that's, that's good news, right? That's really good news. Um, for me, that's like very simple. I really needed that. Thank you, Michael Saylor. Thank you, MicroStrategy for just alleviating, uh, me in this bear market. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, Leon. Great way to, to wrap things up on as we, uh, celebrate Bitcoin's return to, uh, to 30,000. Um, and I uh, certainly Michael Saylor is probably celebrating as well somewhere yes, out he there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks, gents. Uh, that's a wrap for this week. Looking for more insights? See our revamped weekly shift newsletter, providing free weekly market upsides insights every Friday. Subscribe at collectiveshift.io forward slash newsletter. 